Welcome to the High Speed Podcast, the official podcast of the High Speed Alliance, taking you further, faster, together. We are setting our course for freedom and legacy through mastery of business, finance, family, and lifestyle. Well, welcome to the High Speed Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Forrest Bryan, and I'm excited. Uh, we've got we got a great a great show coming up today. I've got my good friend Noah Rosenfarb, CPA, on the line today. Noah, how are you doing? I'm incredible. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. And our, our listeners are going to find out uh, what I mean by that as as we roll along. Um, thanks for listening to the High Speed Podcast. We we are here to help our members create freedom and legacy in their lives by mastering their business, their finances, their their family, and their lifestyle. And uh, we're we're real excited. Noah is a CPA. He's a brilliant guy. He is an advisor. He's a, he's a registered investment advisor. His company is uh, to 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 high high net worth uh, families that that look to him for advice on lots of different things, different types of investments, and also uh, tax reduction strategies. And so, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is about taxes and save, saving on taxes. And uh, there's uh, uh, Noah is an expert at that, so uh, I know you guys are going to want to hear a little bit of this. So uh, if you're if you're listening, you need to get your get your uh, notepad and, and your and your sharp pencil out because uh, we're going to wear it out. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Noah, um, thanks thanks for thanks for being on today. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, tell them a little bit about you? Sure, I'm a third generation CPA. So I think it's in my DNA to try and pay as little as possible in taxes. And uh, you've been here your whole life. Hadn't you? I've been here, you know, in our dinner conversation, I learned that the IRS motivates Americans through the tax code. And I, sure. I it took me a while to realize what that really meant. But what, what the government does is they set policies and based on those policies, they're hoping to get us entrepreneurs to take certain types of actions. And so over the last 20 years, I've been scouring that tax code to figure out what is it they want us to do and how do we take advantage of it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it takes, uh, it takes a while to kind of figure that out, but once you do, then you start to act in the way that they want you to act and that, that lowers your tax bill, right? Exactly. I, I mean, the best example, the one that people can really resonate with are the charitable contributions. You know, why is it that when we contribute to a charity, we're able to take that as a deduction. It's because the government, wants us to support people in need and people say oh okay yeah that makes sense you know they they don't let us pay for our friend's dinner and deduct it but they'll let us pay for a hungry person's dinner um and you know the same is true when it comes to retirement plans that one of the reasons we're allowed to deduct our retirement plan contribution from income is because the government wants us to have a secure retirement and you know there's lots of different ways that the government's looking to motivate us and i think it's important for entrepreneurs to make sure they know what they are Absolutely. So, uh, well, give us a little backstory. Tell us, uh, tell us about you and, and, uh, and, and your background in business and, and, and how we kind of got to this point. Yeah. So I guess the long story short is my dad, as I mentioned, he's an accountant as well. I joined his CPA firm after I graduated from college. I helped him scale it from 12 accountants to 70. And then we sold it to a firm called Markham, a larger firm. Uh, he had wanted to have an exit. I didn't want to be his buyer. And so I ended up creating a registered investment advisory firm. I had a specific niche helping really wealthy divorced women. So when the, when the wives of the hedge fund millionaires in Manhattan would get divorced, they'd come to me and I would uh, 
essentially replace the husband's responsibilities of managing their money. I'd handle their tax returns, their financial statements, their investments, their insurance, their compliance, uh, sometimes even paying their bills. And I did that for a handful of years, sold that business to another wealth management firm, got started working with entrepreneurs doing somewhat of the same thing. When an entrepreneur is selling their business, that's like a major life event and it has surprisingly a lot of characteristics similar to a divorce. You go from having good cash flow to all of a sudden needing to live off your pile of assets. Uh, you go from uh, relationships that have been around you for decades and all of a sudden they're fractured and the dynamics shift significantly. The psychology is really impactful around a business sale. And so I started coaching entrepreneurs through that process, wrote a couple of books on it, uh, built that business and then sold it to an accounting firm. And the last few years, I have about three dozen families that I've kept through it all where I manage their wealth. I, I take a look at their tax situation, you know, very closely. I help them with their estate planning, their investments, their insurance and intergenerational family dialogue around wealth. Uh, and those clients, you know, we've got great relationships. It's been really fun, but I'm looking for new ways to add value. And one of the things I found really over the course of this past summer is now I'm in my forties, my peer group, my friends are starting to make good money. They're successful and they're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. And when I was asking them why they didn't realize that there might be another way. And so what I decided to do uh, is, is kind of take a look at all the tax strategies that I've used for these incredibly successful families and bring them to my friends who don't yet have 20 million in assets, but are making, you know, 600,000 a year, 800,000 a year, a million two a year, and show them how they could start paying less in taxes. So yeah. it's been really fun. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's one thing, that's one reason uh, you and I resonate so much because uh, uh, all of those things, you know, that's where we live and breathe every day. We're trying to do uh, all of those same things for our clients. So uh, uh, I, I, I appreciate that, that connection and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and your, in your history and your way to evolve and the things that you've been able to accomplish. So I think that's fantastic. So you're you're obviously an expert on saving taxes. I know uh, we talked. Uh, you you you've got a new thing that you put together where you've got just a uh, an incredible list of tax reduction strategies. And we're not we're not going to give all of those away to our to to the listeners today. But we are going to talk about a few of them. So um, um, I'll let you kind of take the lead on this. Uh, and you know, on the uh, we're we're going to talk a few of these uh, tax reduction strategies on, on on the public side, on the front side here, and we're going to save a few of these for our members only on the on the private side, on the back. So we're not going to give everything away uh, today, but we do want to provide a lot of value uh, to, to to our listeners. So uh, let's see, Noah, where, where, where do you want to start here? I know I know Roth conversion was 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 one that we kind of talked about being on the sure. uh, on the front side. Uh, yeah, let's you know, talk about that. Especially, you know, a lot of your listeners I know are in the medical profession. They probably have good years and bad years. They have good investments and bad investments. And Roth conversions are really interesting. So back in 1988, a senator named Roth decided that in, aside from just having retirement accounts where we take a deduction from our income today and we pay the tax in the future, let's give people an option to pay the taxes now and never pay the tax again. And what's really powerful about that is right now, our highest tax bracket is, is moving down to around 37%. And when we look at the last 100 years, the highest average tax bracket's over 
So we're in this really low tax environment. And then if you take a look at another fact, which is that our uh, debt as a percent of GDP, you know, our national debt, which is up around 21 trillion, it's around 110% of our GDP. So if we look back over history, the, the last time it was over 100% was during uh, World War II. And so what we've got to think about is, all right, how is this debt going to get paid off? Who's going to pay it? And how's the government going to raise that capital? And so my prediction, which I think is, is really just math. So the math says that somebody's got to pay this bill at some point in the future. And what I want to do is figure out how do I avoid being the guy that they're going to tap to pay that bill? And one of the ways is by paying my taxes now on a retirement contribution and having this promise from the government that they're not going to tax me again. Uh, they, they don't let you contribute to a Roth if you're already successful, but Roth IRA. But they did change the tax code recently. You could contribute to a Roth 401k, which is a decent amount of money that you could put away. But interestingly, there's this provision that says, okay, even if you can't contribute to a Roth IRA because you make too much money, you can convert one of your IRAs to a Roth and pay us the taxes now. So there's a couple good reasons to pay the taxes now. One good reason is, you know, you had a terrible year. For whatever reason, you're just not making money this year. You had a loss, you had a business breakup, you, had, you know, you, whatever the reasons are, you, all of a sudden your taxable income is, is really low. Well, now what you could do is take a couple hundred thousand dollars and convert it into a Roth account and you're going to pay very little in taxes because you're, you know, we have a progressive tax system. It might not cost you very much. And now for the rest of your life, you won't have to pay tax on that money. It's going to grow tax-free and you could take it out tax-free. So that's one great time to make a, make a change. You know, hopefully you don't have to go through the bad year. You don't have to, you know, do your conversion because of that. You could have a good year. And let's just say you've been consistently making a great six-figure, seven-figure income, and you don't expect it to stop. Well, in that case, you're going to be wealthy when you're in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s. And if you think about it, you've got to say, is the government going to still be taxing me at the highest rate? And for most of the clients that I deal with, they're never escaping that top bracket. They're always going to be in the top bracket. And so if we do the math and we run the numbers, it oftentimes makes really good sense to pay you know, 37% today to avoid the risks of what it might be tomorrow. So, uh, so those Roth conversions can make a lot of sense. It's something I've done for myself and my family. It's something I've done for a lot of clients. And that's not to say we have 100% in Roth. We still have some money that'll be taxed later. So we could balance it. You know, if there's a year where we have a, a you know, for lack of a better word, it's a Democratic president and Democratic Congress, Democratic House, and they want to raise the marginal tax bracket to 90% on people that are making over a million dollars. Well, that year we could use our Roth IRA and pull money out of that. And then, you know, the tide turns and we've got Republican control of all three, uh, you know, places and, and they've got 30% tax rates. Well, then we could take it out of our traditional account. So it gives us some flexibility for what to do over the long term. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Uh, uh, excellent. Uh, uh, explanation of that. I know I, I've done that in the past as well. And uh, I've talked with clients all the time about doing that or doing the backdoor Roth or just doing that conversion. I've talked with a client this morning who uh, was having a down income year. So it's a perfect time to go ahead and move some of that uh, tax deferred money into the tax free environment, especially. And I know, I know, uh, and we may or may not get into this, but I know uh, Noah 
Noah appreciates real estate as well. And uh, there's a lot of benefits uh, with being able to, uh, uh, to invest into certain types of real estates and a lot, a lot of benefit of getting, getting some tax-free income on, on some of those types of investments. Yeah. I'll just add one more thing, because if you're a listener that's going to ask your accountant, you know, should I convert my retirement account to a Roth? The general advice for accountants and the way that we've been trained is don't pay any taxes you don't have to pay. And so accountants generally aren't looking at the big picture. They're looking at this year's picture. And so they're going to do whatever they can to try and reduce this year's tax bill without really looking at the next 50 years, what's in your best interest. So make sure if you're going to ask your accountant, they're doing some financial modeling before they answer and not just giving you their off the cuff, you know, 20 year green eye shade accountant uh, response. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. And that, and that kind of differentiates a little bit what we're talking about for, you know, maybe middle America versus, you know, somebody that's in the, uh, the, the higher tax bracket, because, you know, some of the, uh, you know, so, some of the pundits out there would, would never recommend doing that. But a lot of times, if you're looking at that, you know, multi-generational and long-term view, uh, I, I, I agree with you. Um, taxes are relatively low now compared to what they could potentially be. So I want to get as much yeah. over there as I can. And, and, you know, to that point, I mean, Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, they've got great financial advice for people that don't ever expect to be wealthy. Sure. So, you know, if you listen to them and, and you're the type of person that expects to create lasting wealth, you're probably not going to be able to apply their advice to your situation effectively. Correct. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, they don't. They, they don't. They don't really even take the uh, the difference in a good debt and bad debt, do they? And uh, a lot of a, 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 a lot a lot of uh, uh, leverage can be a beautiful thing if you know if you apply it properly. Um, so uh, give us an, give us another strategy. Let's let's uh, let's move on from Roth conversion. What's uh, what's another one we can talk about here on the on the front side, Noah? So another great one that'll apply to a lot of your listeners is donor advised funds. So if you're you know, listeners are making charitable contributions every year. Maybe they're making 10000 or 15000 a year. Uh, with the new tax law, you're only allowed to deduct $10,000 for your real estate tax and state and local tax. So your itemized deductions have to get above 24000 in order for them to count. And for a lot of people, if you take away the charitable contribution, they wouldn't itemize their deductions. So one of the ideas going forward is to itemize every other year as opposed to every year. So you lose the benefit of your state or local income tax payment. Maybe you lose the benefit of some of your mortgage interest if you have one, but there might be an advantage to making charitable contributions every other year from a tax perspective. Well, the challenge with that is, you know, your friends have their hands out every single year and you've got to make your payments every single year. So what you can use is a donor advised fund. And this is basically a, a fund that's offered at lots of the large institutions. They're probably offered by a lot of your local community foundations. And what you do is you gift them money and they hold it for you. And at any point in the future, you could give it to a charity without a requirement of when or, or how. And what that allows you to do is let's say you're, you average $10,000 a year of charitable contributions. You could put in 20,000 this year. And, you know, use 10 to give to the charities that you care about right away. And the other 10 you could spend next year. But you get the deduction of all 20 the year that you give it to the donor advised fund. The other good thing about it, we've had this bull market for a decade. A lot of people have some Amazon stock, some Google stock, some Apple stock that, you know, they're, they're not quite ready to sell it. But 
you know, instead of making that $20,000 contribution with cash, you could take your $20,000 of Apple stock that has maybe a basis of five or $6,000 in it. When you contribute it, you'll still get your $20,000 deduction and you won't have to pay capital gains tax on the gain from the five to the 20. So it's kind of a, a double whammy where you get to save tax at the highest rate from your itemized deduction and you avoid the capital gains tax. And you're, you're trying to balance out what year you're going to make this contribution. So it gives you a, a way to play around with your tax situation. I love it. Uh, I love the donor advised fund. I love, especially for, for real estate. I love that you're able to, to, as the donor, you're able to control the investment from, from outside and you can control the distribution of that money. An example of that might be, you could take, you could take a, a, an easy one to understand, like a, a rental property. You could take a rental property and put that into a donor advised fund and you can still manage it and, and do some things to, uh, to, to ramp that thing up and then you can sell it at some, some point down the road, but you get the tax deduction now and then you can, you can gift either the cash flow from the property or a sale of the property uh, to, to the charity at, at, the, at, the, at a future date, but you're getting the tax deduction immediately. So I, I love that plan. Not very yeah. many people are aware of that. No, and especially, like I said, you know, if you have variable income and you have good years and bad years, another great way to basically take the deduction in the good year, but still make your contributions in the bad years. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks for bringing that up. So, uh, all right, let's do, let's do one more on the front side here. Let's do, I know we talked about, uh, maybe IRA LLCs or maybe, uh, bank paid life insurance. You want to, which one of those you want to tackle? Yeah. Let me, t- I'll share a strategy with you that I used for myself and that uh, obviously I've used for some clients as well. What most people don't know is that banks will loan you money to buy life insurance. And people, why would they do that? Well, you know, a bank loans you money to buy a building, right? And, and the reason they're willing to loan you money to buy a building is because they know it's a good asset. And sometimes they'll loan you money just to buy your personal residence where you're going to live. And they figure, you know, you, it's, it's good if you default on the loan, they'll get their money back. They'll just sell the house. Uh, they're willing to rent you money on an on a apartment complex because they know the rents are going to come in. And same thing, if the tenancy goes away, they've got a good asset. They could sell it and get their money back. Well, life insurance happens to be a really good asset also, especially if it's properly designed and and properly structured. The life insurance is unlikely to disappear and go away. So if you die, the bank has great collateral because all of a sudden the life insurance is worth millions of dollars. But if you don't die, the life insurance generally can have a value that exceeds how much it costs to uh, invest inside of it. So banks are willing to structure loans to successful people to buy life insurance. Now, there's lots of nuances. There's a million ways to skin the cat. Uh, but the thing that most people miss is that the bank's willing to lend to them. And once you realize the bank's willing to lend to you, then it gives you a chance to take a look at, well, what am I paying right now in life insurance? Do I have term policies, which are going to just disappear at some point when I think I'm not going to need life insurance to protect my family if I die prematurely? Uh, okay, well, what if I want to have life insurance when I die, not just if I die. Um, what about some permanent insurance policies you may own? So a lot of uh, doctors, you know, they like to use whole life insurance as a savings vehicle, as a way to accumulate cash. It's tax protected. It's creditor protected. There's a lot of great things that life insurance has to offer. Well, if you're already paying 30 grand a year, 50 grand a year, 100 grand a year in premiums, what if the bank was going to match that or put in 3X or 4X? So for me, uh, I have one policy in particular. I pay 
I think it's like $30,000 a year. And the bank's putting in a hundred and uh, bank's putting in 90. So they're, I'm putting in 30, the bank's putting in 90, no additional collateral required. And I'm paying the premiums for five years and then the bank will pay it for five years without. Uh, I think that's a pretty good deal. Now, now what are the risks? The risks are the market goes down. The, the policy doesn't credit me as much as I need to cover the cost of the interest and the cost of the insurance. Okay, so maybe I've got to pony up a little bit more cash. But, you know, if I were investing in the stock market, I've got some risks as well. If things go well, though, I'm basically making money on the bank's money the same way that I do in real estate. So when I buy real estate, I don't pay cash for real estate. I always try and lever the property. Sometimes it's 65%, sometimes it's 80%, you know, depending on the risks of the deal. But I always want to make money on the bank's money as often as I can. And so life insurance is just another way to do it. And if, uh, if your listeners haven't ever done that for themselves, it's worth discovering what the opportunity is. And, and the, uh, the bank premiums that they're, they're paying that that's just going to go as a loan against the death benefit. Correct. So, uh, if, if something did happen that they have collateral in the cash value so that, uh, that they're going to get paid out of the, of the death benefit. Exactly. If you, if you know, if you, if you got hit by a bus last weekend, the death benefit's going to be there. The bank gets paid back and your family's still left for the pile of money. Mm -hmm. And by, by leveraging that up and ramping it up, you're really accelerating uh, the, the, the growth of the, of, of the entire cash value, not only the principal, but you know, you're, you're getting the interest on the, uh, on the growth as well. Correct. And, yeah. and, you know, again, for some people, especially like a whole life insurance contract from a mutual carrier like Mass Mutual or Guardian or Northwestern, you know, those are really low risk, low return investments. When you add the financing, you, you, you know, you dial up the return, but you also dial up the risk. So you've got to make sure it's a fit for your situation. Yeah. But, you know, in my life, I tend to have a lot more things, high risk, high return, because I'm still young and I've got an earning career behind me. So I'm ready to, to roll the dice a little bit because I know on average over time, when people talk about high risk, really usually they're talking about volatility and not uh, total return over a long time frame. So I believe that high risks aren't very risky for people that have a long time frame. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so um, we're, we're going to kind of come in to, uh, uh, I know that's a lot of value right there. Good job, Noah. So, uh, uh, so uh, let's see, do you, have a, uh, do you have a favorite book or a book you're reading right now? Or just uh, uh, if, if listeners are out there and they want to, uh, if you want to share a little something that they ought to be reading, what is that? Sure. I mean, I, I would say I've got a, a, a list of 12 books that have changed my life. If anybody wants that, they could email me for it. But the one that I added most recently uh, is by Jason Calacanis. It's called Angel, How to Invest in Technology Startups. And what I love so much about Jason's book, because I don't invest in technology startups, I like buying cash flow. I don't like the risks of, uh, you know, angel investments. But really what Jason does so well is he talks about how to leverage your expertise and network to build a great investment machine. And that really was the concept that resonated so carefully with me uh, because I'm not in his field, but I have a network of people and is, you know, they've served me very well in identifying opportunities for investment that have uh, resulted in, you know, really great returns for me and my family. That's incredible. So uh, what about a quote? What's your, got a, got a favorite quote or one that's been really influential for you? 
Sure. I, lo I love a quote by a valuation expert named Chris Mercer. It's concentrate to create, diversify to protect. And, uh, you know, I go back to that time and time again, especially dealing with different families that are accumulating wealth. And one of the things they're looking to do is diversify out of their business. And they say, you know, no, if I want to have a hundred million in assets, you know, how do I need to start diversifying my portfolio? And the truth is you really have got to double down on your own capabilities and what you're able to produce with them inside your core business. And if you can make, you know, fine tune your money making machine, that's what's going to help you accelerate your wealth. Uh, I, I love that. And, uh, you know, you and I met at a family office uh, meeting and, and uh, as, as, as I'm studying and, and getting more involved in that family office, I like to try to pull, pull, the, pull some of that information down from the hundred million dollar families and, and make it applicable to, you know, a lot of our clients that are in that, you know, five to $15 million range. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's a, that's an interesting quote because, you know, there's really uh, such a difference between the, you know, a lot of our clients are just really, really working hard to create wealth and, and they've, they've done a good job, but they want to get to that next level. So they're, they're, they're in this creation, creation, creation. And then, you know, once you get to that hundred million range, you know, a lot of uh, the, a lot of the strategies have to shift and they have to go more towards diversification and more towards protection and more towards, you know, we got to make this thing last for generations uh, where you're, you're it's di different investment philosophy. Um, at, at, at the lower level. So uh, uh, that's a, a, I haven't heard that quote before. So uh, thanks for bringing that one. That's a really good one. So um, let's see, Noah, last question. What is your definition of freedom? So for me, I've got a business named freedom and freedom is probably the most important thing in my life. Uh, so for me, freedom is, is about choice. And the way that I try and adopt a, a mindset towards that. So I talk about what would you do if you won the lottery? So many people are focused on money, especially me and my business. You know, I'm a CPA and financial advisor. I've been around money my whole life. Money is something that's really important to me, both you know, managing it, accumulating it, talking about it. But the reality is if you, if you won the lottery, what would you do? That to me is the representation of the ultimate freedoms because it's not the money that we find out that's important. It's how we'd spend our time. It's, it's who are the people we'd spend more time with, and who are the people we'd spend less time with? And what are the experiences that we'd want to start having? And what are the experiences we'd want to stop having? And so if you could get clear on your answers to those questions, you're going to start living with more freedom. Beautifully said. And I know we've got to spend some time together. And I know part of that for you is family and traveling and those experiences. And I know we, we really share that. So uh, uh, I, I, I appreciate that so much. So Noah, Great job. Knocked it out of the park. Don't go anywhere. We're getting ready to roll into our members only uh, side, but uh, provided tremendous value to the listeners out there. If our listeners want to, if they want to uh, get in touch with you, or if they, maybe if they want to get your, your list of tax strategies or, or, uh, or your list of 12 books, you know, how do, how do they get in touch with you? Sure. Great question. Uh, one thing, if you want that list of 23 tax strategies for entrepreneurs, just email save money at avoidtaxmistakes.com. If you want to get in touch with me directly, the best place is through LinkedIn. My name is Noah Rosenfarb. There aren't too many of us out there. So uh, type in Noah Rosenfarb. You should find me, send me an invitation to connect. Uh, if you could add a note and let me know that you heard me on the show, I'll be sure to accept your invitation and uh, we could get connected there as well. 
Perfect. Perfect. Well, well done. Thanks for listening to the High Speed Podcast. Hope we brought you a lot of value today. We're getting ready to roll over to the, to the members only side. Uh, but thanks for listening. Hope we uh, saved you some tax dollars today on your planning. But uh, thanks for being here, Noah. And uh, goodbye, everybody. Hi, this is Dr. Forrest Bryant, and I want to thank you for listening to the High Speed Podcast. Uh, We want to remind you that the information we share on this show is impersonal and only our opinion. You should not take impersonal advice and apply it to your own situation without discussing this information with us or with another licensed professional uh, that's familiar with your situation. Um, Our opinions are just that, and this show is for education only. Uh, This is in no way a solicitation or offer to sell any securities or other types of investments. So thank you and uh, have a great day. You've been listening to the High Speed Podcast. To read our blog and to learn more, visit our website at www.highspeedpodcast.com.